Welcome to the inaugural episode of Between the Shelves, the premier Savo Library podcast. I'm Alex, and I'm joined by my co-host, Morgan. Hi, everyone. And my other co-host, Christina. Hello. Let's start off by saying who we are and kind of what we intend this podcast to be. Um, we are all librarians here at Savo Library. Christina and I work in adult services. Morgan, what do you do? I'm head of patron services, so I run like the front desk and the behind the scenes where the books get processed and all that stuff. So with this podcast, um, basically my intention is we are going to introduce new staff members every episode, hopefully. Um, we're going to talk about library-related stuff and non-library-related things. I'm going to highlight some cool things in our collection, hopefully, talk to some interesting guests, maybe, and hopefully have a lot of fun doing it. So it's not going to be a bulletin. It's not going to be an audio newsletter. We already have both of those things. And if you want, if you're interested in those things, just go to our website. You can find them pretty easily already. Let's start off with just getting to know each other a little bit by just talking about what we're into right now. I can go first if (laughs) no one's eager to jump for it. So if you've known me outside of this podcast, you know what I'm about to say. Um, What I've been obsessed with recently is a game called Death Stranding. I feel like it's the perfect pandemic video game. It's a great time for the holidays, surprisingly, because it's a great game about connection with your fellow uh, human beings. Um, It's about family. And uh, it's about ghost detecting babies and flying whales and throwing poop at enemies. So And walking. Yeah, lots and lots of, of walking. walking. <laughs> so it's a very meditative game. I'm totally obsessed with it right now. And yeah, that's been pretty much consuming my whole life. I finished the game. I got teared up at the end. It's so, so good. I won't waste everyone's time by getting into it. But if you can play it, I highly recommend it. And uh, other than that, I am... It's, we're in the throes of uh, getting ready for the Oscars, so I've been watching a lot of movies. Um, my favorites right now, currently, I haven't seen everything, but I like everything, everywhere, all at once. That was a great movie. Uh, Turning Red, the Pixar movie this year. Love that movie. And yeah, that's one of the, probably the best Pixar movie I've seen in a long time. Laughed. I cried. Mm-hmm. I had nostalgia. Oh, yeah. And all the things. It's all the so feels. good. And uh, the last one that I've really, really enjoyed so far is All Quiet on the Western Front. It's a German film. So obviously, it's a remake and an adaptation of the book. It's on Netflix right now, and it is fantastic. Like, if you like, I'm not a huge war movie person, but it is the best war movie I've seen since Saving Private Ryan. So definitely worth checking out. And the last thing I'm kind of into right now, I'm a little late to the game, but I started Andor. Star Wars Andor, finally. I'm about halfway through. It's a little slow to start, but if you can make it through the first couple of episodes, I it definitely becomes worth your time. So I'm really, really enjoying it right now. And I think it might be my favorite Star Wars thing since Disney took over. My husband said that too. And uh, it's I haven't watched it yet, but it's Star Wars without Jedis, right? So far. So far. Yeah. Allegedly. It's probably the best Star Wars that they've ever made, period, I think. Wow. We got great female characters. I really want more Mon Motha. Yeah. If I can get a Mon Motha TV show, books, anything. <laughs> She's the senator, right? Yeah. Yeah. She's, I don't know what that, what her actress's name is, but she's fantastic. Yeah. And I love, 
I'm not, this is kind of getting into spoiler territory, but not really. But I love how they're kind of showing like how the rebellion is kind of getting started and like it makes sense the way they're doing it. They're not, it's not like super high fantasy Star Wars like soap opera y. It's kind of like, yeah, this is how like an insurrection would start. Yeah, it's messy, it's flawed. So are all of the people who are involved. I'm really digging it. And I love that. There are no Jedis. <laughs> like, I love that about this show. I'm getting kind of sick of the epicness of the Star Wars stories. They need to do more small stuff. So that's what this seems like so far. Again, I'm only a little more than halfway through. So I don't know where this is going, but so far I'm really digging it. It's on my list, but really I've been obsessed with uh, watching Wednesday on Netflix. So that was fantastic. I don't know if you guys have watched that one yet. I've heard great things, but I have not seen it. Oh, it's good. I mean, Tim Burton rules, so. Is it Tim Burton rules. directing it? Oh, wow. Yeah. He didn't. Did he do the movies? I don't remember. I don't think he did. I don't. Yeah, I don't. I don't think that he did. But it you definitely can... has a Tim Burton vibe to it, but I don't think he actually did it. So that's cool. Yeah, seems like a perfect fit. Yeah, it's a perfect amount of creepy as somebody that is not huge into like the goriness. But I like the creepy psychological side of stuff. This has, like, the just right amount of, like, grotesque and, like, weirdness. Where, like, there's, like, a scene where someone gets their hand caught in a mousetrap. But it's not, like, super gory. Like, it's just literally, like, a mousetrap on somebody's hand and they're screaming. So it's, like... How does it compare to, like, Stranger Things? Is Stranger Things, like, more gory and scary, twisted, or... Yeah. Uh, yeah. 100%. Um... Stranger Things, like, I feel like it took me almost the whole season to be able to watch what happens when, at least, like, the last season with Vecna, like, what he does to people when they're, like, just, like, snapping and all that stuff. Uh, I could not watch that until, like, the very end of the season where this is, like, not on that level yet. Maybe in future seasons, but not yet. So for the cozy watcher. I'll it on my (laughs) list. What else are you into? Uh, okay, so I am listening, I'm listening to the Harry Potter books on audiobook. So as I'm commuting back and forth to work, um, I just finished reading Archer's Voice, which is like a romance. um, And the main characters are like a girl who's gone through, um, her father was murdered. And he was deaf, so he uh, spoke sign language. And so the male, the, oh my God, the romantic interest, it is mute and he speaks sign language too. So it's kind of cool because I've never read a book with a main character that speaks, that both of the main characters will speak sign language to each other. Like she's hearing and speaking, but she knows it because that's how she communicated with her dad. And then love interest is, yeah, he's just mute. He had like a horrible accident and, um, his injury made him not able to speak. So sounds interesting. How do they handle yeah. the communication of sign language in like as dialogue? Uh, it's italicized. Oh, okay. So it it flows like a regular conversation, um, and then obviously like sometimes she'll talk and sometimes she'll sign. So that would be the only person that's kind of doing both. So they'll just have just the sign language parts like italicized. And strangely enough, it doesn't get confusing when they're having their own inner dialogue with themselves. Yeah. Because normally that's italicized too, so. Sounds interesting. 
yeah, a friend had recommended it to me. She's like, this is my most favorite book in the whole world. And um, if you like romance, it's definitely worth a read. Um, I thought it was I thought it was really good. I, I enjoyed it. And then to completely switch gears, because I've gone from Harry Potter to romance, <laughs> and now we're going to um, another audiobook that was recommended to me by the director, Jen, um, is An Elderly Lady is Up to No Good. And it's uh, translated from... Swedish, I believe. Don't quote me on that. But um, it's about an 80-year-old lady who's murdering people and getting away with it. And cool. it's a short novella. I think the audiobook's about three, two or three hours long. Very short. And it's ridiculous and amazing. And uh, makes me afraid of some people in our building that are 80 years <laughs> old and may or may not be murdering people. That sounds like it'll be a Netflix show within a year. Yes, <laughs> it should be if it's, it should be 100%. Cool. Christina, what are you into? Right now, I'm all about Crisis Core, Final Fantasy Reunion. I think that's the, Final Fantasy VII Reunion, I think is the yeah. whole title. Um, it's a remake, kind of remaster of the original Crisis Core, which is a prequel to Final Fantasy VII. Um, I'm just a really big fan of Sephiroth, mm-hmm. the big bad from Final Fantasy VII, and this has a lot of like backstory, and it's very 2008 when it came out, so everybody has flip phones, so you get to talk on your flip phone. And you get to, I'm glad they didn't update that. They did not update yeah. that. You get to read emails on your flip phone from your boss. Was that... <laughs> that's the one... Who's the main? Zach? Zach, yeah. Oh, it was on PlayStation PSP, Portable, right? Yeah. Oh my god, I love that game. Like, I have replayed that game multiple times a long time ago, but I still do have it, and I, I didn't know that they remade it. Yeah, I only first played the original last year, and I was like, it's on PSP. I don't have a PSP. Like, I'm not... I'm, there's no way to get a hold of this. I'm the loser that got it for um, a Kingdom Hearts game that exclusively came out for PSP because Kingdom Hearts loves to destroy my soul and make me buy a console for everything just to play mm-hmm. one game. You're not so. the only one who got yeah. that trap. Yeah. I They don't get... Now they do. They used to not get me with every console for Kingdom Hearts, but now everything is canon. As a kid, I was like, I don't, I don't need to know that story. Who cares? Did you, did you get the DS? Because I did not. That was the one thing, which I guess, like, <laughs> there was, like, three games, I think, released on it, but I, I could not bring myself to buy a DS just to play Kingdom Hearts. No, because in my mind, I decided that all of the non-numbered Kingdom Hearts were unimportant. <laughs> so I actually only played You had those. standards. Yeah. And now it's like, oh, there's a Kingdom Hearts rhythm game? Well, guess what? It's canon. You have to play the whole thing. That is literally just playing the first game over again, except you get a three-minute cutscene at the end that explains nothing. Like, what is the black box? <laughs> what is it? We still don't know. We'll find out. No Maybe one day. In ten more years when Five. four comes out. Yeah. <laughs> Who knows? It'll be a red herring. It's not even important. We're just going to create more time loops and spawn more non-canonical games and then make them canon so you have to go back and buy them yeah there is a verizon v cast kingdom hearts game that isn't canon and has been like 
lost because it was only available on like Verizon flip phones and you had to use the internet before like that was a normal thing and it was like really expensive because you paid per minute. Yeah. Like who did this? I want to know. It's like lost media. Hopefully somebody saved it and there's like a web version you can play online there's not, somewhere. There occasionally randomly like people will release like a chapter of it they're like oh yeah yeah. i happened to have found a chapter that i played that i downloaded on my computer for no reason and i just posted to like internet archive or something and it's like well what am i gonna do with chapter six of this whole story (laughs) did you play the mobile game that uh oh uh it's um man what's the name of it but it just keeps going on and on i did like i think 400 missions almost no story yeah, and yeah. then they shut it down, yeah, so you can't it play it anymore. You can only watch the cutscenes. Yes, and it was canon. And, and it's all canon. You have to know. I had to watch it. I watched a three-hour video on it so I could understand the story. And then they have the card the card game that was also canon. Mm-hmm. So that's backstory for Xehanort, right? And Chain of Memories is like important to Kingdom Hearts 2 because you have to play it to know, understand what is going on oh, in that entire one. game. I mean the mobile one. Oh, yeah. yes. That's Dark Road. Dark Road, yeah. That one's oh. still ongoing, but they shut it down for a while so that they could release the last chapter. I knew I picked the right co-hosts for this podcast <laughs> because we've gone on a five-minute tangent. On and they're releasing a new Kingdom, Kingdom Hearts, Hearts mobile game. <laughs> Missing Link. Ugh. This podcast is just, we're rapidly going to leave the library and just go into a video game nerd podcast, I feel. And yeah. I'm fine with that because... This will be a, like a Kingdom Hearts explanation. Yes. Podcast. Except from people who don't really understand it at all. I don't think anyone truly understands. I would say that I understand about 60% of the story 80% of the time. That's accurate. That's pretty accurate, I feel. Very similar to that. So I have to admit, I never played any of the Kingdom Hearts games, but my equivalent is the Metal Gear series, which has 100 games. They're all canonical. None of them seem to connect in any coherent way. I've played all of them. I've beaten all of them, and I can't tell you what it's about at all. They make absolutely no sense. I bought a PSP to play one of the games, so I've bought in every playstation system because every playstation system has one metal gear game so you have to buy the system to play the game and fools like me will do it so that's my i guess equivalent to kingdom hearts yeah and you thought this podcast was going to be solely about death stranding yeah <laughs> here we are death stranding <laughs> is the new metal gear i'm ready yeah. say, i'm ready to hijack anything to talk about kingdom hearts <laughs> sephiroth is also in kingdom hearts so it it just kind of all connects. Everything goes back to Kingdom Hearts. I'm sure Metal Gear is in the Kingdom Hearts like universe somehow. I have friends who will just text me any any crossover of two things and be like, "Is this Kingdom Hearts?" It's We're like, all living in the Kingdom Hearts verse. Then I have to be like, "Well, Donald is in Kingdom Hearts, and he does meet Frollo from The Hunchback of Notre Dame, but this particular image has nothing to do with any of that." <laughs> And it's funny you say that Kingdom Hearts is the can be or they haven't hit the real world yet because they kind of are upcoming. What is is there real life people in it now? There, it's a real life style. We I don't 
they haven't really explained what's going on. Yeah, you just see, uh, well, I guess I'm spoiling this, but really not, because if you haven't, if you don't know yet, you're going to know now, but, I mean, Sora just appears in, like, the real world, like, in a major city, and, yeah, it's more realistic. More realistic yeah. version. I do air quotes as I say that, but it's a more realistic version of, of Here, what he looks like. Here's how Kingdom Hearts will get me. I'm obsessed with the movie Alien and the whole Alien franchise. So Kingdom Hearts is, for those who don't know, it's half Disney characters, right? Or it's set in the Disney universe? It's mostly Disney characters with a couple of Final Fantasy characters and then like as you've gone on, it's been more of like its, its own, own thing. cast of yeah. characters, but still like going into Disney worlds. You're supposed to follow like the prime directive, like you're not supposed to interfere with the worlds. Mm-hmm. Um, but that doesn't really stick for very long. So all of the games do end up with like Disney characters. Okay, so if they cross over into a universe, Disney owns um, Alien now. They, they bought Fox, which owns Alien. So if the Kingdom Hearts characters go into a space adventure and end up on LV-426, the alien homeworld, and they get hunted by xenomorphs, make that canon with Alien, then I will be tied into it and I will have to play all <laughs> of the Kingdom Hearts games and my life will be over. That probably isn't so far from the truth of what will probably happen. I guess they'd have to do Star Wars first. Have they had a Kingdom Hearts Star Wars crossover yet? That'll happen. Not yet. It's been predicted. There Mm -hmm. have been many uh, people analyzing images from the Kingdom Hearts 4 trailer where they think they see like an AT-AT foot Yeah, there's assets borrowed from one game into the... Yeah. Also, people are hoping for Marvel. It's also owned by Disney. Yeah. Oh, imagine that. That would be so cool, like taking down Thanos. Like with Goofy, main... yes, and Donald Duck, and the... with the power of friendship, yes, love. If Thanos just had a good friend to dissuade him from doing that, it all could have been resolved. And he just snap. In and Kingdom then... Hearts four, there's like a famous scene I think where like Woody from Toy Story like confronts Xehanort, and it's very like jarring. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's kind of. <laughs> I, I wish I was a, a. I wish I had a good transition, but <laughs> we can just keep going deeper and deeper down this rabbit hole. Okay, so how can I tie this back? I can't. Oh, Sable Fan Fest. Mm. Here, this is how I'm going to tie it back. You ready for my transition? So we are all fans of many different franchises. One place where all fandoms came together was at the library's recent Sable Fan Fest. Um, if you had a chance to come, I'm glad you came. I think it was a pretty good success. It was back in uh, the first week of November. It was our second time doing it. Um, by some estimates, we had around 1,500 to 1,800 people throughout the day, including vendors and everything. So it was a lot of fun. We had Stormtroopers. Princess Leia was there. We had the TARDIS from Doctor Who. Um, it was a smashing, smashing good time. And I can't wait to uh, do the third one. Yeah, that was a really amazing day. I mean, I was I showed up about halfway through because I had been at a conference. But yeah, just even better than last year. It just keeps getting better every year. So 
great job, Alex, because this is your... I wasn't fishing for compliments. I was just trying to get us back to the library. No, somehow. I know, but I just I feel like I feel like I have to say it every time we talk about FanFest. It's one of the coolest events, and all the other libraries are very jealous of it. Yeah, the competition's heating up. A lot of libraries are doing this now, so we just need to keep raising the bar. Yeah. Um, what else is going on at the library right now? I just did a an AI class recently for AI artwork. That was really interesting, and I'm definitely going to be doing it again. Hopefully in the next early 2023, because that technology is changing every day. And if I do this class again in four months from now, it'll be totally new. So I thought it was really fascinating. And it was cool, like seeing what other people had made too. like a few of the people who came to the class had already been experimenting with some AI art and were kind of showing me some things. So it was really cool. Like, I think it's going to be changing, if not art. Like, it's going to be changing media somehow. It'll be curious to see where it goes. I think video might be the next step for the AI. Like, it'll start, maybe you can see, like, a band do a whole music video through AI art soon. That would be crazy. I know that Lenza app has really blown up in the past couple weeks. I've fallen victim to it. Not going to lie. Yeah. My avatars. (laughs) The app I've been using is called Dream by Wombo. W-O-M-B-O. It's free and you can just keep making art. I just have it like, you know, if my wife's watching Dancing with the Stars, I'll just be like, boop, generate art, just doing it on my phone aimlessly. And it's just amazing. The stuff that it makes, it's crazy. So how does it work? Is it like you upload a picture of something or you just start drawing and then it's improvising off of your drawing? So this one's all text to image. So you type in a prompt and then it generates an image based on that prompt. So I can type in like um, me having a fun day at the beach playing volleyball in the style of a Kingdom Hearts game and then hit enter or generate art and then it will draw its best approximation of, of what that what it interprets that as. That's really cool. Yeah. Christina, it should be you shaking hands with Sephiroth. <laughs> I would love that. My friends use it a lot to do like Gandalf having tacos with Frodo. And it's like, why? <laughs> why did we need this? And they're like, I don't know. I just wanted to know what it would look like. Yeah. It's cool. I mean, it, I don't, I don't know. I, I have mixed feelings about it. It's, it's cool to see like an image that you have in your head, like drawn out for you. I don't know. Like, is that art if a computer's making it and all you're doing is telling it what to do or is it more of a tool like I don't know it's as someone that does do art I think we can all speak to this I feel like it would be a good I like if you were looking for reference material and maybe you weren't at the point that you could like visualize like Gandalf eating tacos with Frodo in your brain but the AI can recreate that, and then you can go from there. Yeah, using it as, like, a reference. Yeah, like, that's where I would see the use in it personally, but I I don't, like, as a creator. That's what I That's what I would think that I would find it most useful for, but I don't know how you guys feel about it. Yeah, again, I have mixed feelings. I mean, I, I do illustration, too, on, you know, a little bit, so... I guess what I would use it for is to get inspiration or maybe see some different styles, you know, based Mm -hmm. off like what I was trying to do. Like right now, 
another thing I, I do is I design like board games and RPG games, and I'm working right now on a like a detective style game, and it's not really like a visual i can't really like i'm having trouble visualizing like the world so i'll use like the ai to kind of generate some like moods and then i'll use like those as references for like my illustrations of stuff so i don't know i'm kind of using it as like a more advanced version of like just doing a google image search of like creepy alleyway or something and then yeah using it for inspiration yeah, like, I, I, like, maybe you can, like, I feel like I would also maybe, now that we're, like, I'm thinking about it as we're talking about it, like, I think maybe another good use for it would be if you have an idea in your head and you want to try and just quickly come up with, like, different versions of that idea. So you could be, like, like, like you said, like, yeah. a dark alleyway. Dark alleyway with one streetlight. Dark alleyway is raining out. And then you can kind of see, I don't know how accurate it would be with every single rendition if it would be the same but like slightly different or if it would just do something totally different every time but if you could use that also as a tool just to kind of create quicker i guess yeah i don't know just a thought uh (laughs) (laughs) what else is going on at the library anybody else have anything coming up any interesting programs any sewing programs coming up no, I just did the last one of the year. We sewed drawstring bags. Nice. Which was fun. Um, in January, it'll be get to know your sewing machine. So if people get sewing machines for the, for the holidays, they can make an appointment with me and we'll sit down and try to figure out how to use the sewing machine together. Hopefully. I think that's a great idea. I like don't even know where to begin with all of that like i'm pretty tech savvy but like i don't even know where to start with that stuff i'm having like a trial run with teaching marianne and angela tomorrow from our teen department how to use them so hopefully it goes well nice oh if you need assistance too i have someone in my department that's a sewer (laughs) so sewist sewist sewer yeah he visually looks too much like sewer yeah oh that's true (laughs) definitely far from it (laughs) but yeah he would definitely be able to help uh he actually uh keith made he came in for halloween with this uh crazy costume on it it looked like it was professionally made and i'm like this is like the coolest thing ever he's like oh oh, yeah i made this i'm like wait what he's like yeah i I do this like mission like on the side whatever and it was just much different skill set than I have. But also, it sounds like we have someone to do that part for FanFest next year that we yeah, can figure out this year. Absolutely. <laughs> oh, I've always yeah. wanted to do a cosplay class. <clears throat> so, And we we dabbled in that this year with the Hobbit capes. But Absolute disaster. No, it wasn't a complete disaster. <laughs> Absolute disaster. Although, I didn't see any Hobbit capes at the FanFest. No. Nobody finished their Hobbit cape. In the- <laughs> it was a little ambitious. Yeah. Capelets next year. Yeah. All right. So right now we're recording. It's December 15th. We're approaching the end of the year, obviously. So I just want to talk about, like, what are your favorite books of 2022? Um, We'll hold off on movies and shows until, like, the Oscars and the Emmys. That's Mm -hmm. when I like to talk about my end of the year stuff. But um, I have three books that really stood out for me. Um, the first is Tomorrow and Tomorrow and Tomorrow. Do either of you read that? I haven't read it, but you are like the fourth person that's told me it's fantastic. Yeah. 
it's it's on like a bunch of best of lists that I've seen. And it's not a book that I would have picked up had my wife not bought it and recommended it. Um, and I thought it was interesting. You know, I'm always interested in to see how um, authors tackle video games in um, in literature. And I've it's you it's a mixed bag to put it in the best possible <laughs> framing. Um, usually they're way off. You know, it's somebody who isn't really familiar just using it as like a trope or something plot point or something. But I thought this book did a really good job of not only representing like gamers and gamer lifestyle, but also like the development side of gaming and all the difficulties and troubles and everything that goes into that. Um, so, so that's like one aspect of it. But I also really thought it was a good depiction of like friendship over a long period of time. Like it's not a, a romance novel, but it kind of is written as a romance, but as a friendship you know like the highs and lows of a relationship between two friends over decades um as opposed to like a married couple or something um I th- that was what kept me coming back to it even more than the gaming stuff which is really interesting um but yeah that one that one really i think it's worth it's definitely deserving of it all the praise it's getting um and it's a quick read too i mean it i don't know it's like 300 pages but it's very light and snappy um, the other two books are not snappy at all. Uh, the next one is Crossroads by Jonathan Franzen. He wrote a bunch of heavy. He's big, heavy. Yeah. Heavy. I really like him. He's not for everyone, but this last book he wrote, which I think technically came out last year, but it was so late last year that I didn't get to read it until this year. Um, it's set in the seventies. It's like a family drama with all of these. He writes family drama better than anyone i've ever read before and all every member of this family has their own baggage and stuff that's going on but they're all each there's five members of the family and each one of them is they could have a book just about their story but they he weaves them all together beautifully um and apparently this book is the first of a trilogy and the second one should be coming out next year so i'm looking forward to that so yeah Crossroads is excellent, and the last one is much lighter than the other two. It's the '90s by Chuck Klosterman. Did either of you see this one? No, but I well, I saw it. I just haven't read it yet. It's amazing. So, I mean, we're all late, born in the late '80s. We're all millennials, so we were very young growing up in the '90s, right? But I think we still have a nostalgia for it. I mean, that was like our childhood. So. This book, The 90s by Chuck Klosterman, kind of approaches the 90s from a kind of pop culture lens. So it's super accessible. It's not a dry history at all. But he kind of like digs into like, I hate this word, but like the zeitgeist of the 90s <laughs> by using like pop culture as lens. And each chapter kind of focuses on like a different thing. Like one will be about like grunge music and one will be about like pop music and one will be about like the movies and one will be about like the OJ trial and stuff like that. So it's so delightful to read. It's fun. He's very funny. Um, But it's so insightful. Like he really digs into like the mentality of a time because this was like a time when he was in his 20s, I believe, or like 25 or something. And he was like, his career was blossoming then and he was a writer for the New York times and a whole bunch of other places. 
So it's really cool to get his perspective on like his mentality at the time and then reflecting on it. So I really, really recommend it. And the audiobook's great too. He reads it and he's really funny. And I don't know, I just really, really like it. I'm definitely going to read it again in a few years from now and kind of reflect on it again. But it's super fun, especially if you're a 90s fan. Yeah, I've heard good things. I want to check it out. And I always love audiobooks that are narrated by the author because then they're read in the way that they're meant yeah, to be exactly. listened to. And he goes on like tangents too. Like he'll comment on his own writing. It's just funny. It's just a great audiobook to listen to. And it never gets so heavy. Like you, you can just keep very easy to listen to. Uh, okay, I guess I'll talk about the books that I guess my highlights for this year. Uh, let's see. Scrolling through my Goodreads. Um, okay. Uh, I told you what I was listening to before, but I'm just about done with Seven Husbands of Evelyn Hugo. And I have to say, I really like that book. Um, I had a couple people that had read it with me because uh, I'm in a local book club with people in my neighborhood. And uh, some of them were like, eh, you know, whatever. And I was like, I don't know. I really enjoyed it. I really like Taylor Jenkins Reid. I like the way that she tells a story. I love her characters. They're always like so fallible and raw and just real. Like, I don't feel like she skips the bad parts and is only fluff or good stuff. Like, it's a little bit of everything. Love the drama. <laughs> uh and Seven Husbands of Evelyn Hugo, as you can imagine, there's seven husbands, so there is a lot of drama going yeah. on. Um, it's about, like, a big, like, Hollywood actress. Oh, It's almost, like, similar. This person seems like a Marilyn Monroe, like, character, almost. Except they are, like, in their late 70s, 80s, I think, when, the like, the book is set in today times. And then... Evelyn Hugo is reflecting back and narrating her and telling her story to a book editor, which I thought was interesting. I always love that when they like flash back and then they flash back to the present and there's just like a lot of back and forth, which I love. And another book that I read that I really loved was The Four Winds by Kristen Hanna. And that's historical fiction. It's uh, set during the Dust Bowl in the Midwest and it's about like a family that's like surviving during it and then they try to go to California for a better life and it's just really interesting to read historical fiction about that time because obviously like the story is made up of the family but it at the same time it is telling the story of so many families and their experiences during that time and there is some the animosity that they faced from people that had moved to California just earlier than them and now they're like we're being swamped by all these people from the Midwest they're trash they are dirty they carry disease like all this stuff and it was really really interesting to see that for like Americans acting like that towards like Americans but they also act like that I don't want to go political so I'm just going to stop talking (laughs) you can probably cut that out (laughs) but it's just interesting to see like that juxtaposition and then think about like you know other things that go on in history and i thought it was interesting the science of like a dust bowl like i didn't know that you could feel static and there's like blue electricity and people would ground their cars to the they'd like put a chain from the bottom of their car that would drag on the ground to ground the car from getting electrocuted before the storm hits i didn't know anything about that stuff so it was very very interesting and cool 
to read. And I breezed through that book in like three days. It was yeah, pretty bad. That's a and pretty that's, hefty book. Too. It's hefty. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I've heard great things about that. And I haven't read it personally, but um, I read a book, The Worst Hard Time, which is a nonfiction book about the Dust Bowl a few years ago. And I, again, I knew nothing about the Dust Bowl. And it was like shocking what they had to endure. Like, yeah. Crazy. It, like, people are drowning in in sand in sand and yeah. and it was insane to kn- to learn that like it was because of the way that they farmed and they had like they hadn't learned like sustainable farming practices so the death the dirt was so unsettled that it would just blow around and it just like it was so interesting that the dust bowl was man-made it was also unfortunate like weather patterns as well and it just all turned into like a monster thing but it was very i thought it was very cool and then the other thing the last book that i read Super short, but I do love this author. She wrote um, the Binti series, and they're really short, like Afrofuturism sci-fi novellas. Uh, and this one is not part of the Binti series, but it's called Noor by Nieti Okorafor. And I don't know. I just love her writing. I don't understand how an author can get so much story and so much detail and so much world building, especially for like a sci-fi universe. And have such, like, well-rounded, like, well-built characters in, like, 200 pages or less. It's incredible. So I highly recommend anything written by her. Um, and they're all, like, quick reads. But, yeah, it's incredible. And I don't have much else to say about it besides that. You should just read it. <laughs> all right. Christina. So I'm only going to talk about two books. Um, Brandon Sanderson just finished up. Um, the second error of his Mistborn series, which if you know anything about Brandon Sanderson, he has this like all of his books are connected in a universe called the Cosmere and they all some of them take place at the same time, but on like different planets and some people can travel between planets and some people can't. And until now, they were all like separate. You didn't have to have read any of the other Cosmere books. But for this one is the first one where, like, they go to a planet that doesn't know about the whole Cosmere and, like, all the things go down. Um, So this is, like, tying together all the books? Yeah, but it's not the end of anything. This is just, like, the first instance. I think this is another thing where like people who can travel between worlds are supposed to follow the prime directive they're not allowed to interfere um but they do because the worlds keep going into danger and these ones are sort of like this is the wax and wane series so they're sort of like westerns and they're like lawmen but they can like burn metal in their stomachs to do magic what yep sure you know (laughs) makes as much sense as death stranding (laughs) Yeah, so um, this is like wrapped up that series and it was very good. I cried at the end, Um, but it was sort of like a preview of what's to come in like all of the next eras of books. He's wrapping up another of his like eras in a different series next year. Um, But I love Brandon Sanderson and like, Love big worlds with lots of mythology, obviously. Yep. It's um, evidenced by your Lord of the Rings paraphernalia every day. Yep. <laughs> and tattoos. And tattoos. Um, the other book is a weird read for me. So 
This year, a book called Meet Me at the Fountain came out. It's a nonfiction book about the history of malls. And in the mid-aughts, when I was a teen, I was a big mall kid. I had to go I had to go to Hot Topic and buy my Fallout Boy shirts and my hot pink plaid. <laughs> Spent a lot of time at the mall. Um, but it was just a really interesting read about it was written by like an architecture critic, but it was how malls came to be just like their function and then like the rise and fall and rise and fall and maybe rise again of the American shopping mall. But it was really cool. And it's like there's like all of these specific terms of like how malls operate or like when you go into a mall and like I can't remember the exact like phrase that it is but when you go into a mall and you switch from like going to the thing um going shopping for the thing you go there for to like just wandering around yeah Yeah, it's i think it's called the gruen transfer and gruen is like the architect of malls so now like every time i go to a mall and i'm like i'm here for one thing and then i end up elsewhere i'm like oh that gruen transfer (laughs) got me again gruen (laughs) but it was really good and like just very like accessible yeah for someone who doesn't know anything about it might be a good pairing with the 90s maybe yeah yeah big yeah. mall that time interesting there seems to be a theme here today yeah <laughs> not with me but with you guys <laughs> you're in afrofuturism and we're yeah. living, reliving our past i'm just off with like cyborgs and stuff <laughs> i'm good just hanging out at the mall <laughs> okay so i can hear the next person who has this room booked eagerly waiting at the door. So we have one last segment and we're going to go through it pretty quickly because I can I can hear the people on the other side of the door trying to get in. All right. So I have a fun game. It's holiday themed because we have Christmas right around the corner. Um, I call this game Faux Films, Santa Edition. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to name some movie titles and you're going to tell me if it's a real movie or a fake movie. Now, I don't know, how how should you buzz in? With a ho-ho-ho, or do you want to say your name, or... I don't know. We can't just yell it as fast as we can. Yeah. (laughs) What, true or false? Yeah. Okay. Let's just do it. Yeah, let's just get going. Okay. Number one. Santa Claus Conquers the Martians. That's a real movie. Christina, on the board with one point. (laughs) That is a true... That's a real movie. 1964. Wait, pause. Well, pause with this. Um... What if we raise our hand and that's the buzzer? Oh, okay, yeah. And then that way you can add a buzzer noise in. Okay. If you want. Okay. I'll do. I'll, I'll tell the engineer to, to do that. Yes. Yeah. Okay, next. The naughtiest reindeer of all. False. Not a movie. You're supposed to raise your hand. You raise your hand. <laughs> <laughs> you made up the rule. <laughs> uh, that's correct. It is not a real movie. Tied. One, it's tied one to one. All right, next movie. Christmas Eve of the Dead. I'm going to say that's a real movie. It's not a real movie. Well, it should be. It should be, absolutely. So I guess I'll give Morgan the point for that. Is that fair? Because it could either be true or false. I don't know. We'll see how it pans out. (laughs) All right. (laughs) Next movie. Santa and the Ice Cream Bunny. Morgan true because it's ridiculous it is true 1972 
Santa Claus finds his sleigh stuck in the sand in Florida. Only the day before Christmas Eve. Spoiler, he's saved by the ice cream bunny. Is it a bunny made out of ice cream or is it a I bunny seen who this sells movie. ice cream? <laughs> I feel like we need to watch it in the next episode. I, we is it Lost Media? This. Is that something that is accessible still? Oh, I, I can guarantee no library owns that. Mm, we'll see. <laughs> I can't guarantee that. Who knows? Probably on Internet Archive. Yeah. All right. I'm not keeping score anymore. I'm just going to run through these. I can't keep track. All right. Santa Claus Jr. Morgan. False. It is not a real movie. Yes. Good job. Everything that seems real isn't real. (laughs) (laughs) Fat man. I'm going to say that's true. That is true. It's true. (laughs) Mel Gibson plays Santa Claus. He is the titular fat man. Oh. Uh, Okay. Jolly, the Kris Kringle story. Morgan. True. That's not true. What? I made that one up. Oh, man. That sounded so real. All right. Only two left. We'll say it's a tie. Who knows? No one knows. Santa Claus versus the devil. I'm going to say that's true. That is true. 1959. Angered by Santa's do-good nature, Satan sends a bright red dancing demon to Earth on a mission to ruin Christmas. However, Santa is not going up against these evil forces alone. Merlin the Magician is on his side. Yeah, that makes that yep, checks, checks out. out. Yeah, it definitely checks out. All right, last one. Santa with muscles. Absolutely true. I'm just going to say it's true. It has to be. It is true. It's ridiculous. Santa what, with what muscles. 1996. A heartless millionaire, played by Hulk Hogan, <laughs> believes he is Santa Claus after an accident renders him amnesia. Amnesiac? He has amnesia. Yeah. Starring uh, Mila Kunis as well. One of her first really? roles. I almost like, I, for all the Spongebob fans out there, I just picture Santa with anchor arms on and I just can't. <laughs> you wouldn't be far off, or at least for, judging from the cover. That's why I needed this to be true. Because that idea needed to be true. Well, and you're in luck. Hogan, so. I'm pretty sure it's available <laughs> on uh, wherever you can find your, your movies. <laughs> All right, that's all I got. That's my game. Yay! So is there a prize for winning? The prize is you get to come back to the next podcast episode, or not, depending on whether you won or not. (laughs) That was it. That's our first episode in the bag. It's super exciting. Yeah. So stay tuned. Um, If you want to contact us, listeners, um, you can email us. My name's Alex. You can email alex at savealibrary.org. You can get Morgan at uh, Morgan at org. And Christina's shaking her head violently. So you're not going to be contacting Christina. But if you have any suggestions for games, if there's anything you want us to talk about, if there's anything you're curious about, we're open. Thank you so much for listening and um, stay tuned. See you next time.